Welcome to Base, a podcast about weird stuff. So I think, first of all, we should probably introduce ourselves. Um, so I'm Peter C. Hine. And I'm Stephen Buckley. And uh, I'm a, uh, a lawyer, an occasional stand-up comedian, and a writer of very little repute. I'm a musician, a audio engineer, and yeah, that's that's it, really. Yeah. And we've been, uh, me and Buckley here have been friends for about, probably about 30 years now. About 30 years, since the early 90s. Yeah, and sort of 10-year-old kids, we used to go ghost hunting with my next door neighbour. Um, and we became friends and we really have been ever since. And what are we doing here today? What is base? Well, it started, I suppose... The actual word vase came from a dream that I had uh, a few years ago now, um, in which me and Buckley were in a record shop, an independent record shop. We were looking through the shelves and Buckley pulled out a, a, a CD that was in like a digipack with recycled cardboard on it. And on the front of the digipack, there was vines growing like thin vines drawn on it and the word vase and it was very very clear that that's how it was pronounced it's spelled v-a-y-s-e uh, i remember that because in my dream the dream buckley said it um and uh, buckley in my dream said that i would really enjoy this and that it was very good <laughs> and um that's really sort of where it came from I'd never really told Buckley about that dream for years and years. No, you kept it. You kept it very quiet. I kept it secret, but I had it memorized. I have it written down somewhere, but I can't figure out where. Um, and that that was the inspiration for this. But it goes a bit further back than that, really, because even though when we were kids, we were we used to go ghost hunting, and and so on. And then as we got older, um, we. So we we continued to be friends and we were into just strange stuff you know we were into weird movies weird um music weird books um as as we got older you know twin peaks and yeah what brought us what took us from uh being people that were into weird stuff to uh to actually kind of doing something with that weird um you know in a, in a way that could be perhaps presented to the public. Yeah, well, I mean, through lockdown, we kept in touch um, and there was a period there where we perhaps started to talk more about weird stuff. I, I just at the beginning of lockdown, maybe March or April, I got into the Weird Studies podcast and uh, there was this was also the time when the Pentagon were releasing the videos of the UFOs uh, after the Tom DeLonge to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences pushed them to do that. Um, mm -hmm. There was lots of news reports about that kind of thing. Uh, we talked about books and we fell into a rhythm, I suppose, of going on long walks and discussing weird stuff as we walked. Yeah, I think um, I think it's almost like we, we, we both got to a stage in our life and we we're both 40 years old and we both got to a point where a lot of the stuff that had come between being 10 and being 40 in those 30 years kind of started to fall away and become less important. And I think, um, the, the sort of root of our friendship, if you like, which was, you know, 
Ghostbusters and the Osborne Book of Ghosts and Monsters and UFOs, things like that. Twin Peaks, you know, all the all the weird stuff that we were we we'd been into. Uh just that that bit that sort of um was like a constant that we maintained and that stayed throughout. And I think that um we were just both at the right st- stage in our lives where that kind of came to the fore. And I guess times were weird then anyway with COVID and stuff like that. So um so yeah, that kind of became a um a very focused topic of conversation. And then, um, I guess things, one thing led to another. Yeah. I mean, there was one particular day, which was the 2nd of April, 2022, when over pizza in Manchester, Buckley was telling me about a, a, a podcast that he'd started to listen to. And that podcast was Penny Royal. We also talked about Hellier that day as well, but the focus was more on Penny Royal at that point. I um, thought that you'd like Penny Royal better than Hellier. I thought Penny Royal would be your in to the Hellier universe, you see. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it was. Um, I, I think that um, I, after we talked about it that day, I went home and started listening. And um, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, uh, although although I could believe it. And, <laughs> and, point, um, yeah. and then on my 40th birthday, I thought it was about time, and I watched the first episode of Hellier. What a treat! Yeah, and we we could start talking here about Hellier as as a as a a mass initiation of of people who like the weird. But I think for the time being, I think we should probably just stick a cork in that and keep it fresh. We could yeah, probably yeah. give it its own episode or or something at some we point. We can come back to Hellier later. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to persuade people to keep listening to the podcast at the moment. Yeah, so. yeah. And um, and so uh, I, I guess that 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 the the Penny Royal thing. So should we talk about Penny Royal a bit and what that is? Yeah. So Penny Royal was um, a podcast which um, centered around um, an area of Kentucky where a whole lot of uh, weird things were occurring, and uh, it was kind of adjacent to Hellier. They were made around a similar time. Hellier is a TV show with a lot of weird stuff happening. I'm being very brief here just because you know we're cautious of time etc um but yeah i think it, it really captured our imaginations um in terms of the the subject matter and and things like that and we were both into podcasts and we were both into all this weird stuff and it was like um but it was real it wasn't fictional you know it was an actual like a documentary almost and i think it i can probably speak for us both in saying that it inspired us you know we, we've We've done stuff together before, uh, creatively, like when we were sort of 15, 16 or whatever, we were playing in bands when we were teenagers. Um, and then we've, we've done a couple of bits kind of more recently, um, which we might talk about at some point in a later episode, but, um, it felt like to me, I really wanted to do something creative with Hein again. And when it turned out that he he enjoyed Penny Royal, then that seemed like the obvious choice. You know, let's do a podcast. Let's do something, um, you know, in our own way rather than just ripping off Penny Royal. But let's uh, let's look into this stuff. Let's look into this phenomenon. You know, all this stuff that's happening because it's not just limited to Kentucky or America. You know, there's there's weird stuff happening. Um, all over the world, there's things um, that that the nature of reality isn't perhaps as we thought it was sort of, you know, uh, a few months ago. And, uh, we've, um, we've been 
researching a lot of that stuff and looking into it and even trying out some things for ourselves. And um, I think that was, I think initially we didn't have a big plan as to how VASE was going to work. Uh, it was just, we knew it was called VASE. We knew perhaps there should be a podcast element because that kind of made sense. And then uh, perhaps that there'd be some kind of experiment or even quest, if you like. Um, and yeah, we took it from there. Yeah, I suppose this podcast is kind of born out of that questing spirit. We're actually looking for this stuff. We're actually actively going out there, which is a difference. It feels before that we were passive consumers of the the weird stuff, you know, the TV shows, the music, the podcasts, the books, etc. Where yeah. now I, I feel more like we're actually going out there to try to discover something or to discover something not necessarily just about the paranormal or the unexplained or the occult, but maybe uh, you know about ourselves, about reality, um, all that kind of thing as well. Um, so I suppose that we've been into this weird stuff now for years and years, and neither of us have really made any real effort to get involved or to immerse ourselves and to see what will happen. Um, so I suppose like now is kind of the time to make this midlife crisis work for us a bit. Yeah. It's a, it's, I mean, you say midlife crisis, I say personal voyage, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all about, it's all about how you look at it. Yeah. But I, I guess we're attempting to make the podcast that we want to hear as well. Yeah. This is us starting from nothing and seeing how long it takes us to get into something, you know, to, to get from zero to 93 yeah to get abducted by aliens <laughs> yeah. i mean i think it's i think it's important to point out and i think we're gonna point this out regularly because it is really important we are absolute beginners we are not um claiming in any way to be experts at any of this stuff um and i think what we want from this podcast is for you the listener to join us on this journey of discovery and to kind of um to to come along with us as we discover this stuff and um, possibly to laugh at our naivety maybe or find it quite charming. I don't know. But yeah, we, we've we've read a few books. We've watched a few documentaries, listened to quite a lot of podcasts. We're not, we've not been properly investigating this stuff as adults for years and years like a lot of the, um, the peop other people who make podcasts are. So don't come to us expecting the answers or some kind of um yeah i think you know. if you come to this podcast looking for answers then you're going to be very disappointed but what i hope that we can leave you with is some questions some big interesting questions that you can look into yourself as well and that's kind of the the spirit of this podcast i think yeah it's very much it very much comes from a place of um of curiosity on our part and friendship and that's kind of the, the the main thing, and what we discover along the way uh, will hopefully be interesting. But if it isn't, you know, we'll still remain friends, and we'll still be curious about all sorts of stuff. So we'll just keep on doing this, but without recording it. <laughs> the um, one thing to mention is that this is the first thing that we're releasing, so it is actually episode three. Um, I'd like to say that that was for some cool reason like um, how the Hermetic Order of the Gold Golden Dawn made their first temple, Isis Urena Temple Number 3. Uh, but actually, it's just because we've we've had two attempts at this already and uh, we kind of got our thoughts together a bit. And there was some good stuff in those first two, which we might release in some shape or form in the future. But this is the starting point. 
Yeah, I mean, I hope we do release them because I spent hours of my life editing them. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, so, so this is us and this is our story so far. So what have we done? Well, have we started this journey? I hate well, calling it that. I think, yeah, I know. I know it's, it's that, that use of the word journey to describe everything. You know, yeah. my, my washing up journey or my yeah. laundry We need a better journey. word than that, don't we? Yeah. But I mean, quest, quest, quest is cool. Quest, quest is, is cool. all right. Yeah. Quest is yeah. cool. It's so when, kinda... how did we start this quest? Um, I think, well, we each got loads of books, read loads of books, and continue to do so. That's just it. I, you've got to take that as a given all the way through. We're just going to be, whatever we do, reading loads of books, soaking up information, comparing notes. But I think the first um, the first sort of experiment, if you like, that we did um, was to, um, I think we, we wanted something weird to happen. We wanted to see some phenomenon. We wanted to see something odd. Yeah, I think we wanted to see if we could make something happen. Yeah. And so without any of the limited knowledge that we have now since starting this, um, we sort of naively thought, let's just set an intention, write down an intention, um, and let's see if we can make something happen just by writing it down. Yeah, we had a good system going of getting lunch somewhere nice and going for a long walk. And we'd been doing that during... Uh, as as the COVID restrictions in the UK had been e- eased and relaxed. We had some uh, really uh, good lunches, like really oh, yeah. good salads and vegan Indian food. Superb. Uh, yeah. And, and we, hey, we, we, should, some... we should get a sponsorship deal from RK Dining in Preston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we, off topic. We, we, yeah. I'm just thinking money-wise, you know, if no one listens to this, at least we'll get some money in to buy more books. Or, f- or food. Just yeah, food to keep us going. Yeah, and food, yeah. But um, yeah, so we had a nice system going of of walking, talking and eating. Um, but our, our first experiment, as you say, was, was, was to set the intention. And we decided that we would just, I suppose we were going to go to Pendle Hill, weren't we? We, we decided that we would go to Pendle Hill, which is a place in the north of England, which is where we're both from. Um, which has great paranormal credentials. Yeah, it's where the Pendle witches come from. Um, where they practice magic. It's where George Fox had the vision in the 17th century, which started the Quaker faith. And uh, we even found out recently that it has a boggart hole there. A boggart. It's like a kind of solitary spirit or goblin entity. Yeah. Um, and we thought that we would set an intention. We were, I suppose we were kind of just hoping for our intention to manifest, weren't we? Yeah. As, as naive as it might sound though, th- there was some reasoning behind this, wasn't there? Um, I just want to dive straight in with 
an asked an asked a Crowley quote. Um, so if you if anyone else here is a complete beginner. Uh, and you haven't heard of Alistair Crowley. I, well, I think you probably should have heard of Alistair Crowley, but Alistair Crowley was a very, very famous or, or notorious British magician. Um, and if you don't know who he is, then you are at the very, very beginning. He's probably one of the most famous magicians that's ever lived, isn't he? I would Except say. Except for like Gandalf or something. Merlin. Yeah. Well, he's more of a wizard, I would say. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a whole other podcast, that, discussing the difference. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, well, maybe one day we'll speak about Crowley in, in more depth. I don't know. I don't really know very much about him other than, you know, brief dalliances with maybe reading his Wikipedia page and that sort of yeah. stuff. I don't um, think he had great politics, to be honest. No, and um, I don't think all of his ideas were that great. But I do have some of his books. Um, and um, one interesting thing that he said was the very definition of magic, which was that magic is the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. Yeah. And that's fairly self-explanatory. I mean, it's pretty audacious as well, but it's, it's fairly self-explanatory. But he went further than that to say that every intentional act is a magical act. And that was kind of the spirit in which we went ahead with this. We, yeah. we wanted to set an intention we hope that our focus on this and our will to make this intention happen would make it manifest. Yeah. Um, so we kind of just took all that stuff for face value, really. Yeah. I mean, I think we'd, we'd, we just kind of um, naively assumed that, you know, we'd um, have this intention written down and then we'd go up this spooky hill and a UFO would come down and say, Hey guys. And you know, something like that. It, it, it was, Although, having said that, a couple of weird things did happen. Um, yeah. I mean, j- just just to rewind, should we talk about the intention that we set? Yeah, sure. So, so we, we, we both basically, we set an intention together and we set a related intention, which we kept secret from each other as a sort of control. So one night, we at the exact same time, we sat down and we each wrote down our shared intention, which was... Uh, I climb Pendle Hill on the 21st of May, 2022, and find something interesting. We looked a little bit into how to set intentions. You keep it in the present tense as if it's happened or happening to you, um, and you, um, you you keep it as concise as you can. And then we each wrote down a, a personal intention, which we didn't tell the other. So mine was, uh, I climb Pendle Hill on 21st of May, 2022, and discover a logo for the Vase podcast. And that was it. Yeah, mine um, was something like... I, it was a similar format, but it was that I, uh, we find uh, an interesting object on Pendle yes, Hill. Yes, yeah. And then I sort of meditated on our intentions. I thought about it a lot. I stared at it quite a bit. We both brought the written intention with us on the walk up Pendle Hill that day. So did anything interesting happen? Well, yes. I, I, I don't think um, our personal intentions worked. But I think if you define interesting as something slightly out of the ordinary, then then yeah, there was a couple of things that happened. There was a. Um, are we going to describe them now? Yeah, we can just run through them. So we, so someone stopped us, or a group of people stopped us, asked us what we thought about nature. Yeah, there were teenagers, and, a group of teenagers, like yeah, sort of halfway then, up the hill. Yeah, and then they took our photo to go into an exhibition. 
Yeah, and they took our photo. The reason, the thing that was weirdest about it, aside from the fact that a group of teenagers were interested in the opinions of two middle-aged men, um, the, the interesting thing about it was that they took our picture with a disposable camera, sort of from the sort of thing that you'd see it like in 2003. And it was, yeah, just, like, it was just odd that they weren't using a phone or something like that, like that they even had or knew what a disposable camera was. Um, yeah, and that you but, can still get those things developed. I, don't, I didn't know you could do that. No, I don't know. But yeah, that was that was the first thing. It was just slightly weird. Nothing nothing particularly weird, but you know. Yeah. And then we saw a guy carrying a balloon marked with stars and constellations and he was taking that up the hill. I actually asked him what he was doing with it and he said he was doing it for a memorial for someone. Mm-hmm. So not particularly weird, but it was slightly out of the ordinary. They get weirder though, I think, as, it, as they go along. So the next one was... Um, at the top of the hill, there was a um, a series of sort of small stones, which had little engravings on, which were probably part of some kind of community art project. Um, and each one had a different. They're in a circle. Each one had a different symbol or a different thing carved into it. And we were looking at these, and one of them had sort of a map of constellations on it, which I guess was maybe the stars that you can see from that angle at a particular clear night or whatever. And um, a couple came up to us and they were probably sort of, what, 17, 18? Um, yeah, something like that. And uh, again, not we didn't really expect them to talk to us because they looked quite kind of trendy and like, you know, they wouldn't be interested in our um, <laughs> doings, opinions. Um, and the the girl asked us um, what it was, the, the, the picture of the constellation. She said, what is that? Um, and... We said, oh, it's the constellations. And she said, what are constellations? Which seemed a bit weird. Um, like not knowing what constellations are. I don't know if I'm being sort of privileged in that I was educated to learn that and perhaps she hasn't been as lucky. But yeah, it seemed a bit, just a bit like off, just ever so slightly, just like someone doesn't know what constellations are and they're asking us at the top of a hill. And then and then she asked us who, if, who did we think put it there and uh we said the pendle witches and she said i knew you were going to say that yeah also um one thing that i wrote down but um i forgot to mention when we talked about this before as well was that there was the um inflatable that inflatable room which we've since found out was on the site of the well where george fox had his vision they put up a big inflatable room hadn't they and they had like a few like they were kind of golf cart things driving around up there as well. Yeah, it was the mountain rescue guys. Yeah. So that was just slightly out of the ordinary. We have not seen that before or since. Um, and then finally we had, we were talking about mushrooms while we were up there. Actually, that was on the way down, wasn't it? It was on the way down. It was right at the bottom of the hill. So we were both feeling a bit forlorn. We'd not seen anything. We were crestfallen, in fact. We'd not seen anything particularly unusual apart from these things. Like we'd not seen a UFO or Bigfoot or anything. Um, and we were, we saw a little patch of mushrooms and Hein um, asked me if the um, red kind of toadstool mushrooms with the white specks on top, which are called fly agaric, um, asked if they were actually a real type of fungus or if they were um, just sort of a almost artistic impression, kind of something which came up in myths and fantasy pictures but weren't actually real and i i know a thing or two about fungus i must admit <laughs> and um 
And so I explained to him, yes, yeah, they are real. And then um, he asked me if they were hallucinogenic. And I explained they can be, but they actually, they're, they're very poisonous. So it's kind of not worth it. They make you very, very ill before they have any kind of decent hallucinogenic benefits. And um, just as I was saying that, a group of people walked past us. And this man, probably similar age to us, just popped up and said, Amanita muscaria. Now, Amanita muscaria is the Latin name for Fly Garrick. Um, so the fact that just this guy popped up and just happened to know the Latin name, I don't know, it was a bit weird again. It was nothing, it wasn't an alien, but it was just something a bit, uh, the chances of it were quite slim. Particularly because we weren't actually talking about Fly Garrick, we were just talking about the effects of consuming it, and he obviously worked it out from just the effects of consumption what yeah. we were talking about he'd and, read our and, minds basically <laughs> he thought it fit to speak latin to us <laughs> but yeah so i mean there were some wisps of weird stuff there mere um, wisps just 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 wisps and i don't know i mean i i, I guess our consensus was that our intentions hadn't manifested that day so what went wrong? What what did we do wrong? Well, I, I was going to say that I've, we, we talked about that Crowley quote about every intentional act being a magical act. But he qualified that further um, by saying, um, by intentional, I mean willed. But even unintentional acts so seemingly uh, are not truly so. Thus, breathing is an act of the will to live. So he's talking more, I guess, about will there than than just intention set, I guess. Yeah, we needed something stronger. Yeah. So before we'd even got down to the bottom of the hill, we decided that we would try this again, but with using sigil magic. Also known as chaos magic. Yeah. Um, and that led us on to the Pendle Hill experiment part two. Um, that we would sigilize. So just we'll do a, a very quick recap of what is a sigil. Um, so it's probably like one of the main or one of the best known techniques of, of chaos magic. Um, and what is chaos magic? Um, it's a form of magic which is often traced back to Austin Osman Spare, who was an artist and an occultist living in London in the first half of the 20th century. Um, I guess we can put a cork in that as well and keep it fresh because we can talk about him at some other point, um, I think, rather than go into him now. But he was, in his approach to magic, he was very iconoclastic um, and he rejected a lot of the old dusty traditions of um, things like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Um, he hated that kind of ceremony and and that kind of hierarchy and he there's loads and loads of really quite badass quotes of him dissing the uh the golden dawn and some of this thinly veiled digs at crowley as well and i found one here where he says were i to crown myself king should i be king rather should i be an object of disgust or pity these magicians whose insincerity is their safety are but the unemployed dandies of brothels Self-condemned in their disgusting fatness. 
<laughs> their emptiness of power without even the magic of personal charm or beauty. This is this reminds me of uh, of you talking about um the secret. Yeah. It's a similar level of venom. Yeah, yeah, I I, I do dislike the secret, but <laughs> he said that without even the magic of personal charm or beauty, they are offensive in their bad taste and mongering for advertisement. So he he had he really that, I mean, this is the level of disgust that he had for the magic establishment of the time. And he took a much more stripped down approach to it. Um, and that's the essence of chaos magic. He stripped it down to what actually worked. It's, it's a results-based magic system. And he had his own very idiosyncratic way of doing this, but it was picked up and developed in the north of England um, in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, by people like Peter Carroll, Ray Sherwin, Ramsey Dukes, and Phil Hine. Uh, no relation to me that, that, that I you know, know of. of. Um, but um, given the vast amount of reading that you could do on these people and, and the lengths that we could go to to talk to them, which we're not going to do now, I would say that if you wanted to learn the essence of sigil magic quickly, you look no further than Grant Morrison. Uh, there's a video of his disinfocon speech from 2002, and there's an essay called Pop Magic, which is a follow-up to that speech that he gave at disinfocon. And uh, it's very much along the same lines, isn't it? Yeah. Google it. Yeah. Find it for yourself. Have a look at it. It's a lot of fun. But basically, the system that he um, advocates is incredibly simple. You set an intention... You write it down. On the piece of paper, you've, you've written it down. You remove the vowels. You remove the repeating consonants. And you mess around with the letters until you make them into a cool-looking symbol. And that is your sigil. And then you charge the sigil. Um, and that's a process of gnosis, which we'll talk about later. And then you launch the sigil. Um, so um, I think his idea is kind of that you kind of force it from your conscious to your subconscious, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. And it's at that point, once it's in your subconscious, that it starts to have an effect on the universe. Yeah. So if you're trying this at home, th there's different ways to launch the sigil. In Pop Magic, Morrison goes hard on the wank technique, which is basically. Of course he that, does. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically that you have a wank. And at the point of orgasm, you imagine your symbol, this burning image of your symbol being blasted out into the universe. There's loads of other ways of doing it. I've been experimenting with hyperventilation. So I've been using the Wim Hof method. Um, you, you, it, the, the actual breathing creates gnosis, which is that sort of feeling of, um, it's a weird feeling of, of not quite trance-like, but it's very difficult to describe. But from what I've read, it's a sort of feeling of, um, it's a slight shift in your consciousness. Yeah, and, it's a bit and like then, the flow state, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's how I've been thinking about it as well. And then you, um, when you do hyperventilate, you get the euphoria. And at the euphoria, I've been using that to launch the sigil. And I, I've I've um, only just started doing that this week. So I haven't got any results yet. I've just launched a load of experiments, basically. And I was quite pleased with myself for doing that. And then, of course, I, I just quickly Googling... Wim Hof and, and the sigils online, I found that it's a very popular and well-known method of doing it. Um, and then, and then once you've done that, you just forget your sigil. Basically you have to, you have to 
get rid of it somehow. You can just tr- you can just throw it away. Uh, I think we both had to go at burning them, haven't we? Yeah, burning them was fun. I liked burning them. It felt yeah. it felt more um, more real than just flushing it down the toilet or whatever. Um, yeah, and it's elemental as well because you're messing with fire and that kind of thing. Um, and then um, other people say Gordon White has the idea of low attention processing so you don't actually throw them away you just place them somewhere where you don't often look so that you might catch them from the corner of your eye every now and then and so on yeah it's like Um, a subliminal message almost exactly yeah just more ways to get it into your subconscious or your unconscious um and we've um we've had a good few goes at those haven't we yeah i mean the so the for pendle hill experiment two um I think we we had the, we we did pretty much the same as our original intention, but with a sigil. So our intention was to see um, something weird or something strange. I don't remember exactly what it was. Something interesting. Yeah, um, it, yeah I've got it written down. It was on the fourth of June, twenty twenty two. Whilst at Pendle Hill, I find something interesting that I can use to further the vase project. Yeah, and um, it didn't work. Like, no, I mean, it didn't there, work. there was at the bottom of the hill after a short drive, we did get some really nice food, but that isn't what we were. That isn't what we were after. We were, we were hoping for UFOs, you know, goblins. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 the approach that we took this time was that we, we got the intention, but we each made separate sigils. So we didn't share a sigil on it and we each, um, launched it, activated it in our own way. Didn't really talk about that. Um, or how we, we just shared the intention, did our sigils, got on with it. Um, so the way I look at it is chaos magic, as I understand it, is a means to manipulate our reality. And the sorts of things that we were hoping to see or hoping to happen um, were kind of almost associated with a different reality. So I don't think, whilst there are kind of links between uh there's a lot of links between sort of magic and the phenomenon so to speak whether it be aliens you know ufos ghosts bigfoot etc i don't think you can use as far as i know chaos magic to actually make them appear or to be able to see them etc because i don't think it works like that because i think that they exist on a different plane of reality and so they're not something that's manipulatable. Now, I, I think that Grant Morrison received, did he not um, get into Chaos Magic after a, um, like a mushroom or LSD trip where he saw some entities and they... I think that it happened um, during The Invisibles, wasn't it? He has a work called The Invisibles, which is like a hypersigil, which is basically, I think he, he put all of his magic intention into this comic that he was writing. Yeah. And I, th- I think whilst taking a break, he said he had what he said was a lentil sized piece of hash. And then he was abducted by aliens and they took him to Alpha Century and they explained a lot of reality to him. Yeah. And I think that, that, that ours is a reality. The sorts of things that we can manipulate are things that are within our reality, at least at our level, you know, just starting yeah. out or whatever. And I think that, it's. Uh, I don't think that we're going to be able to manipulate other realities. I think we need to kind of um, actually start out with something a bit smaller, i.e. our own reality. 
Yeah. I think as you get more advanced, there are obviously techniques to summon entities and so on, which we'll talk a little bit about later, but certainly not at that stage yet. Um, yeah, that's an interesting idea. I like that idea. Obviously, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I I thought that perhaps we just hadn't written a very good intention as well. I think it was both too vague and too specific. Yeah, I mean, I got the impression that you you can't really tie it down to dates either. It kind of yeah. happens when it happens. You can't sort of will something to happen on a specific date. What we're dealing with is forces that are outside of our understanding um, and the forces that don't necessarily follow the usual laws of physics. So and they're forces that aren't going to have a watch. You know, yeah. They, yeah, they, exactly. they don't know what time it is. Um, so we're, we're kind of, we're almost using the wrong tool to get that result. Um, yeah, I mean, because the intention that we set, it basically set out a date, a location, and pretty much a time of day, because the whole walk on Pendle Hill only takes about an hour and a half. And so yeah. if we started that about 10 o'clock, we're saying basically we wanted that to happen on the 4th of June, 2022, between the hours of yeah. 10 and 11.30. These guys uh, don't don't follow that kind of clock. They don't you know they're i mean we're both very um punctual individuals <laughs> we're both very yeah punctual individuals very routine but i don't think these these creatures these entities are i think they just they they arrive when they want they leave when they want and they leave a trail of weirdness in their wake and at the same time as being too specific we were too vague as well because you know, we, we just said something interesting. It's far too vague. So by setting the time of day and the date, we basically limited the pathways that could bring about and allow something to happen. Yeah. And then the something that we had asked to happen was so vague that who knows what it yeah. really means. Define interesting. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I mean, I do wonder though, hear me out on this. Okay. Whether the fact that we found nothing at all could be the interesting thing, which is further vase, because we've been talking about this for nearly half an hour now uh, on, on the podcast of vase. So perhaps that this is something which is a talking point at least and has furthered vase project in that way. But well, yeah, it's a stretch, and it, but and it's that kind of magical thinking that leads you to be able to see entities. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, I know, I know it's a stretch, but yeah, I mean, I, but, but it's so open and vague that it invites this kind of result, doesn't it? You know, yeah. and there's actually a quote from Phil Hine, um, who says in condensed chaos that vague intentions usually give rise to vague results. The clearer the initial statement of intent is, the more likely you are to get accordant results. So that lets it out very simply, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I've, since done some other experiments with sigils and one of them in particular i'm i'm not going to go into details because i just feel like it's kind of a personal thing and i don't feel like it's something i want to share but it's also um it's nothing weird or um <laughs> illegal or anything like that but i just feel almost a bit silly sharing it and i feel almost a bit like um it's a private thing like the yeah. sigils like i feel like it's a, a um I feel like I almost need to honor that. Yeah. Like the, you know, the, whatever the, 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 
I've been able to manipulate the universe and I don't think that I I should necessarily shout about that just yet. Although I am literally talking about it on a podcast, so who knows. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've had one in particular which had um, a noticeable result um, like within a week um, in a way which I wasn't expecting and that was particularly successful and um i was i was really pleased about that and i've kind of not done any since because i can't actually think of anything i want aside from like a different government and i don't think i'm powerful enough to do that yet but yeah i mean i think i i was quite pleased with how it worked out since then so and that the the that was a very specific intention um which was um wasn't limited to a time frame um and was quite clear about what it was and um you know sort of I, I feel i'd like to believe that that was successful yeah yeah and i i i do understand what you mean about not knowing what to sigilize for but the reading that i've done particularly in condensed chaos phil hines says that that magicians, curse magicians, don't just go around sigilizing for anything. Anyway, you know you have to think carefully about your intention and whether it's worth sigilizing for. And I, I didn't for a while do any sigils after we'd done the Pendle Hill one because, like you, I couldn't really think what I wanted. But I have just done one this week when I was talking about trying with the Wim Hof method and, and that sort of thing. So um, I'll keep an eye on that. And that kind of brings us on to actually something else that I was wanting to talk about, sort of what else that we've been doing. And one thing that we've both been having a go at is divination using the I Ching, I Ching. Um, I really like this system. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of it, but in practice, I find it very frustrating because I keep having to send hein whatsapp messages saying how do i how do i do this again because i've i've done it a few times and every time i do it i forget how i've done it and so (laughs) i have to get him to write me little notes to remind me but yeah it's an interesting system and i've heard a lot of people say it works um i've heard a lot of people say it's just astrology for men um (laughs) you know so yeah I really like it. It's it's a, it's a nice system. Uh, for people who don't know what the I Ching is, it's an ancient book of knowledge. It's it's the Chinese book of change. And you ask it a question and through divination, either by tossing coins or yarrow sticks, uh, and by it's kind of a method of almost binary calculation, isn't it? Um, you form a hexagram, which is a symbol made up of three lines, either broken or unbroken lines. And then you look at the hexagram in the book, and you basically apply the information that you, that's associated with that particular symbol to your question. And I think it's brilliant. I've, I've done it a few times. Again, I've tried not to overdo it because it seems disrespectful to do that. But I've had some really, really specific answers. Yeah, I've had some, I've had some interesting stuff. The, the most recent one that I did, which I told you about, um, had a particular word in it a particular phrase to do with the term vision to do with the word vision um which was particularly relevant to what i was asking it about um and that gave me an answer so whether whether it works out for me i won't know for another year at least but um 
I've I've made a decision based on it. So you know, I'll have to face the consequences. Yeah, and I've I linking this through to the sigils. I've found that it, uh, uh, and this isn't just my original idea. This is again from Condensed Chaos, which is the book that I'm reading at the moment. But I found that if there's any doubt in my mind about whether I should make a sigil for a particular intention, I ask the I Ching. So actually, I'll share one with you because um, I. So if I have any doubt, if I have any reason to doubt my my true intentions or my true reasons for asking for something, and and in this sort of thing, your motives can be complex. And I think that sometimes the intentions that you're going to sigilize for do need some scrutiny. Are you are you just being greedy or lazy? <laughs> I think are particularly relevant to to when I'm thinking of things that I might sigilize for. So, you know, I I had the idea that knowing that we would be recording this Thursday, that I would make a sigil to help try to get as listeners to people so that we find a listenership to this podcast. And I thought to myself, like, does this seem a bit prideful, I suppose? I Something about it didn't sit right with me. So I consulted the Oracle, the, the I Ching, and it gave me a really, really specific answer. Um, You know, it said, don't bother. Your sigil magic isn't strong enough to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. Just get better at podcasting. So actually, I have listened to it. It would be disrespectful not to. And I've made way more effort for this podcast recording than for the previous two. I've made copious notes. I've done research in books. And he's wearing a suit as well. Oh yeah, and the top hat, and um, uh, with a fez on top of my top hat. But I, um, I, I've, yeah, I did feel that I had to make more of an effort. I had to take the advice. I felt that I'd be stupid not to. Um, and you know, if, if the oracle speaks, you listen, and if you don't, you're a fool. And uh, I feel good about that. Have you been doing any other experiments that are relevant to magic at all? Yeah, so um, one of the things which I have spoken to you about before um, is the idea of magical thinking or re-weirding your environment. And it's something which I'd started to do about a year ago before uh, before Vase was even a thing. Um, it's going to sound silly, but the... Uh, um, a magpie started visiting my backyard and I live in a relatively urban kind of environment, but I've got a little backyard. I planted some plants in order to attract some birds. just wanted to see more nature. And um, a magpie started coming and I started feeding him every day. Now, it may have been a different magpie each time and the have it probably was because there's been multiple magpies, but I felt like this time last year I developed a kind of almost like a relationship with this magpie and I felt like when I'd go out places when I go out hiking or anything like that and I'd see magpies quite often and I'd just think to myself oh there he is 
he's come with me. He's showing me the way to go. And I just kind of had this weird little private thing in my head where I'd kind of made this like the idea that this magpie was was sort of some kind of friend or guide to me. And I know that doesn't sound like much and it just sounds like something a child would do. Um, but bear with me. Um, I feel like quite often with, it seems from what I've read and listened to, to do with the the phenomenon, broadly speaking, a childlike approach is something which lends itself to that. It lends itself to this sort of mindset where things will actually start to happen. And I, I feel like it, not only that, a childlike approach to things also leads to a bit more happiness in life and a bit more wonder and a bit more joy, you know, and some of the things that have made me happiest um, in recent years have been spending more time in nature and just going back to that kind of wonder of nature that I had when I was a younger kid. And if you think about things like, um, you know, old TV programs like Bob Ross or um, Carl Sagan's Cosmos, it's all just these, these people who have this wonder in nature and it just brings them so much joy. Uh, who's the other guy? Steve Irwin, God rest his soul. Oh, yeah. Another great example. God bless him. And I feel like the approach I want to have for Vase is one which has that same wonder because I feel like that is coming at it from that angle rather than one of um, cynicism or one of kind of hard science, um, you know, purely evidence-based kind of fascism um i just feel like that's that's something which is is gonna both make the whole thing more enjoyable but also perhaps make it um more yeah fruitful. i think that um the other thing about the childlike approach and the thing about children in general is that they're very good at using their imagination they're very free with their imagination and the way that it bleeds into their reality and it's not being beaten out of them by years of institutionalization through school systems and standardized education targets and so on. You know, each child has their own imagination. They use it in their own way. The whole idea of, of like a, uh, of creativity being linked to, to a childish approach as well and having a childish approach to creativity kind of ties into this and you, you, you know, cause it's all linked to imagination. I mean, I know that sounds like a fairly lazy sort of way of, um, practicing magic like just oh just imagine cool things about magpies but um i think it's it's more about a, a, a different it's it's almost like mindfulness isn't it it's like a a sort of um much how when you start practicing mindfulness you kind of start to see the world a bit differently and it eventually becomes a habit uh i think that kind of magical thinking is also a, a similar thing and you start to just enjoy life a bit more yeah and imagination is crucially important isn't it i think I've been listening to a lot of a podcast by Douglas Batchelor, who's a magician who does a podcast called What Magic Is This? And um, something that he always says, and I honestly can't remember whether it's a quote that he uses or whether it's something that he just says a lot, but it's definitely something that he believes, is that all things start with the imagination. Yeah, and so in, in magic, particularly, that is the way you know, because there will be people who say that all the magic is just in your head or that you're just imagination playing tricks on you and coincidences and so on. But yeah, that, that is what's happening, you know, yeah. because every single thing around you from the desk that your laptop is on to 
the laptop itself to the house that you're sitting in has started its journey into existence through a human being's imagination. Yeah, that's a profound thought. But then also it leads to a uh, an even uh, an even wilder idea which is where does that imagination come from? Where does creativity come from? Does it does it come from us or is it something that comes when you start exploring consciousness and and the way consciousness works? Um there's a lot of stuff we don't know and where do ideas come from? Do they come from the future? Do they come from uh, another reality? And there's uh, that's something we can go into more deeply in the future. But there's um, there's definitely some interesting stuff in that. Yeah, yeah, we can put a cork in that and keep it fresh. Um, You've used yeah, that one before. You need another metaphor. I need I need something else. Don't I? I was just call yourself a then. writer, honestly. I know, I know. We could uh, uh, put a lid on that. Yeah. jar of put jam. a ring on it we could, yeah because yeah, we love it so much yeah. or something like that yeah. um so uh yeah i mean i i do like the idea because in a way it's, it's teaching yourself to rewire your brain it's it's teaching yourself to appreciate reality in a different way and whether that's you looking at magpies or i do something which Actually, have we mentioned the Weird Studies podcast? I think we mentioned it in passing. That's yeah. Phil Ford and J.F. Martell. And it's brilliant. It is brilliant. And um, they do a great episode on the third table. I think it is. You'll have to look it up. I'll link to it. I'll do some show notes to this. Um, and I will link to that episode in it. But after listening to that episode, it talked about the I and thou relationship that you can have with all things around you. And... You know, whilst you think it might seem crazy to talk to magpies, I've actually been talking to trees and so on. You know, because, and, and that becomes through too, because you've been talking about now how, where creativity comes from, where imagination comes from. And it kind of comes to this idea of animism and all things having a spirit within them and recognizing that in other things, even something like a tree, which is a living thing, but even something inanimate like a rock gives you a different way of looking at the universe and a different way of appreciating reality. And to just do that exercise to give agency and, and spirit or something like that to everything that you see around you all the time, that will change the way that you think. Yeah, and behave. Yeah, definitely. Which could be a good thing. And and so what are we doing right now, I, I suppose? What are we doing at the moment to further our journey, our quest yeah, our, our quest into this stuff. Quest. Um, and um, I, I'm, I think this is the point now where we can just recommend a load of stuff, which is something that I've been looking forward to. And oh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say now that uh, I'll do show notes to this where I'll link to as much of what we've talked about as I possibly can. Um, and I'll also, I th I'm thinking, I'm toying with the idea. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to do a series of blog posts where I'll go deeper into some of these ideas and how me and Buckley have interacted with these ideas and used them a bit. Uh, I think that could be quite interesting. Um, but uh, before we start recommending stuff, let's just say that because we recommend something doesn't mean that we endorse that person or what they do because um, we're learning at the moment and it's completely possible to glean knowledge from people that you don't agree with on every single aspect of what they're doing. And particularly in this 
world of the occult and the strange and the weird, you've got a lot of free thinkers, you've got a lot of radical thinkers, you've got a lot of people with a lot of strange ideas. And it's really important to use your own judgment on this stuff. You know, you, yeah. you have to keep true to yourself with all this research. You have to look at it and you have to deal with it in your own way. Um, and that's not to say that we're going to recommend any particular bad actors or that any, you know, anything like that. I mean, the only people that we affiliate ourselves with is ourselves. Um, and this is actually a cool episode of Pennyworth, isn't there, where they talk about, um, yeah, they, they, they go into all that stuff. But well, the Nazis I, in the occult and yeah. the Nazis in the paranormal. And there's 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 been a few different podcasts I've listened to, um, which go into similar thing. I think um, there is a very toxic element in the conspiracy world. Yeah, uh, when you get and, into like QAnon and QAnon, QAnon, I don't know what it's. I can't even pronounce it. That's how it, that's how removed I am from it. Uh, fucking yeah, and and uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to actually link to that episode of Pennyroyal in search because I really feel with Pennyroyal, you've got to listen to the whole thing in sequence for it to make any sense. Yeah, yeah. But it, I think it's pretty clear uh, what we're saying here, which is basically fuck Nazis, fuck the alt right, fuck accelerationists. We won't recommend any of that to you knowingly um and but we are at the beginning we can make mistakes if we recommend something by someone who has some view that you find abhorrent don't assume that that's our view but also i think uh please do contact us and tell us if there's something which you think that we've um been out of place in talking about or because like like we've said we are learning so we're, we're more than happy to you know chat with you about it and if you come to us and say oh this book you recommended was written by someone who is actually uh you know incredibly toxic and a bad actor then you know we, we certainly will you know take that on board um because we're all about the learning yeah, we're babies here. We're 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 just taking our first steps, and we're just as, we're just normal men, innocent just, men, just innocent men. I mean, but, we started that as a joke, didn't we? The, we started using that phrase as a joke. We're normal men, innocent men, but actually, it's become more and a more of a mantra. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, how can you contact us? Um, well, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. Um, I might do a Facebook. I, I, I Don't just, do I, a Facebook. No, I, I, I felt like I should, but then when I tried, I started, I, I stopped and I you didn't really want to. You felt your soul being sucked away. It's, yeah. Facebook pages are terrible now. They're, yeah, and they're so complex to use and create. And um, But um, Twitter, uh, think what you will of it. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. And I think probably the same for Instagram. I, I'm most keen on Twitter because it's words. But um, both on Twitter and Instagram, uh, we are Vase and then Vase spelt backwards. So that's V-A-Y-S-E-E-S-Y-A-V. And I thought that would be a good idea when I started because it looked cool, but I realize now that it's very difficult to say. <laughs> so at V-A-Y-S-E-E-S-Y-A-V. That is us on Twitter and um Instagram, but you can probably find us just by searching for vase. I mean, there are other vases, but it's going to be very clear which one is us. We have at the moment a neon sigil as our um, profile picture on both of those things. And if you like the good old fashioned way, which I do, you can contact us by email. Um, that's vaseinfo at gmail.com, which is V A Y S E I N F O at gmail.com. Just email us with anything you want. If it's shit, we won't read it. If it's horrible, we probably won't read it. If it's if you're a Nazi who's complaining that we don't like Nazis, we're not going to read it. 
Um, but give us suggestions. Give us suggestions for things to read, to watch, to look at, because um, we're about to do that to you. Um, and, and give us guidance. You know, to, to tell us what we're doing. Tell us how we can improve our magic. Tell us how we can improve our podcast. Tell us places that we can go to, preferably in England, preferably in the north of England, and <laughs> ideally in Lancashire. That, that we can. That we God's can own go county. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and um, if you're super competent and we really like what you're saying, you maybe even we'll have you on the show or something. You, know, you get get in contact with us. Um, we we really are all. This is documenting our process of learning and we would love other people to join us um in this process yeah we're and as we mentioned before we are coming at this from a place of curiosity and learning um we are admittedly relatively new to the subject and relatively ignorant um so robert anton wilson who's um whose work we are hoping to explore because his name keeps coming up all the time in all of the things that we're looking into. He's obviously a big deal. Um, Robert Anton Wilson said, in order to learn, you have to be ignorant. Ignorance is a condition of learning. Pain is a condition of health. So I think, you know, that's that's kind of where we're coming from, really. We're coming from a place of relative ignorance, but not willful ignorance. You know, we're not just burying our heads in the sand. We are trying to learn. So, we are trying to learn. And, and, what is it at the moment that you're reading? What What's on your reading list at the moment? What are you getting into? What have you read recently on this subject? What can you okay. recommend? So I started out with, uh, once we first decided to get into this, I started out with The Eighth Tower by John Keel and uh, Passport to Magonia by Jacques Vallée, both of which are to do with what Keel calls the super spectrum. Um, and Vallée refers to it as... Um, ultra terrestrials so it's the, the basically the theory that um aliens bigfoot ghosts any sort of phenomenon like this um is all coming from another dimension rather than another planet um and yeah it's fascinating stuff uh, i figured that was a good place to start um i read um a book called um something like practical magic in the home or something by Occult experiments in the home. Yeah, by Nicholas ba Nicholas Barford. I'm not doing very well on this, am I? Duncan Barford. I've got your copy here. Buckley's lent me that book, so I, I've got I've got it primed that's, and ready that's to That's why go. I don't know what it is. You see, because it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, I read a book which I bought years ago by Jack D. Hawkins called Understanding Chaos Magic. Um, that was good. Uh, I'll just dive in for a second here because um, I wanted to give some credit to that book because I remember seeing it on your shelf when we were teenagers. And I had I didn't read it at that time. Being a good Catholic boy, I, I thought to stay away from such devilish Heresy. pursuits. Yeah, um, but um, it's quite it's quite a nice, concise step into it, isn't it? And I, I it's it's good. It's a it it, it makes it's a, a good sort of um, synopsis, and it's a nice little step into it. It's also got a really cool kind of proto vaporwave kind of cover, which I'm really into. Vaporwave from when vaporwave was like the cutting edge of digital art. Yeah, um, but it was about hundred pages, and it's it skims the surface, doesn't it? But yeah, as as an intro, I think you, you, well, you could probably do better. But I I th I just felt it was important for us because that was the first book I read on Chaos Magic, and Buckley had lent it to me, and so uh, it sort of had a, a, a special sort of significance in my mind. Um, so that's, that's all I wanted to say about that. I just thought, that's okay, all right. you get on a, with that now. It's a nice thing to say, I think. Um, so I'm currently reading, 
uh, a book by a gentleman called Paul Weston, who I've heard on plenty of podcasts before. Um, and he's English like we are, though he's from the South, not from the North. There's no judgment in that. He he lives in Glastonbury, which seems like a really cool place. And there's obviously loads of weird shit going down there, uh, according to him. So, you know, he's, yeah. he's someone I'd love to have on because he's, uh, he's a very clever bloke and got some really interesting stuff going on. So uh, the book I'm reading of his is called um, Alistair Crowley and the Aeon of Horus, History, Magic, Psychedelia, Ufology. And it's basically dealing with, it's almost like a history book really, but um, a kind of an occult history. So it's looking at kind of things all of the influence that Crowley had on the 21st, on the 20th century, um, you know, going back to before the war. And then you've got things like the Babylon working, which was a magical working that he did with a guy called Jack Parsons. Again, too much to go into now, but, um, put some foil on it, put it in the fridge and keep it fresh (laughs) for later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, it's, it's a really interesting book and I feel like it's given me some context into kind of, um, both the link between stuff like magic, high strangeness, UFOs, all of that, the link, how all of that kind of ties in together and the the history of it and the actual stuff that kind of happened. And, um, it's fascinating stuff. Um, it's kind of like a, it's not a practical book as in, it's not giving you like advice on things to try, but I felt like I wanted to get some background and Weston's, uh, always impressed me on podcasts. So I felt I owed it to him to read it. And then the next books I have, I've nearly finished, don't worry. The next books I have planned, um, both of which I've bought in the last week. Um, there's one called Time Loops by Eric Wargo, uh, who again, I've heard on loads of podcasts and he's got this mind-blowing theory about retrocausality um, and how that ties into the phenomenon. And um, He yeah. seems to be making waves in... in- this kind of thinking at the moment, doesn't he? He's, I see him turning yeah. up on all sorts of podcasts and referenced in all sorts of different ways. And um, he's coming at it from an interesting angle as well, isn't he, from what I've heard on, on podcasts? Yeah, he's coming at it from a very sciencey angle. So he's kind of almost quite, not dismissive, but certainly not particularly keen on talking about a lot of the uh, more kind of UFO-y stuff. And he's more sort of explaining how it works but from a point of view which i think from from what i gather from hearing him interviewed um he actually gets quite a lot of flack from kind of the ufo and the occult community um but then on the on the other side of that he actually also has got people like um bachelor saying that it's like the most important book i think ramsey duke said something as well like saying it's like the you know the most important book um in terms of like high weirdness and the occult and magic that's that's um that's been written this century so that's fairly high high praise really um so i'm really looking forward to getting into that and that's actually led me to um sort of really start uh being diligent with the dream diary as well because um his work is all about kind of looking at your dreams and then them kind of um almost predicting things that will happen. Um, I think that's something else that we're both um, well into at the moment, isn't it? Is I think the first thing that I did when we started getting into this, and probably one of the first things we talked about was keeping a dream diary, a a dream journal. And I think if anyone is listening to this and, and wanting a way to just start, you know, to dip a toe into this kind of thing, if you haven't done anything 
yet or already. I think you could do a lot worse than to start a dream diary, even if, like, I think at the beginning we started talking about this sort of thing, and we were talking both of us about how neither of us really remembered many of our dreams anymore, and we both. I, I'd been keeping a, a dream diary on and off for years and years. Um, and I started keeping it very diligently and you started doing the same. And it makes an almost instant difference, doesn't it? Yeah, the very process of um, of having a book. I mean, you told me this and uh, and so I thought, oh, I'll try it. The very process of having a notepad next to your bed uh, with a pen uh, and then you wake up and you remember them because it's not, as you get older, it's not that you... Um, or not even as you get older, but as as changes happen in your life, you know, you, it's not that you dream less, it's that your dream recall changes. Um, and you can improve your dream recall by just that little sort of step of having the book by your bed. Because I used to write them down on my phone, but of course I use my phone for other things. I use my phone for almost everything. <laughs> um, so seeing my phone by the side of my bed... I don't wake up and think, oh, I need to write down my dreams. I wake up and think, oh, who's bothering me now? Or, you know, um, but actually having a book dedicated to that. And it's just one of them little sort of um, almost like a life hack that's that's sort of, um, it seems like, again, using the term like weird magical thinking, but it actually does work. You do, it does improve your dream recall and you do start to get some crazy shit. And a lot of people that I've been reading and listening to people who are into the practice of magic are saying that it's one of the most important things even to them, you know, years and years into their practice is still analyzing their dreams, looking at their dreams. And um, it obviously seems to be a very important thing. And, and it is crazy, isn't it? The sort of stuff that you... Yeah, that one I told you this morning about the sort of scraggly wooden horse puppet thing <laughs> yeah that was pretty pretty bad and um so the the final book i want to mention is um i've uh, it's just arrived uh yesterday and it's a book by jennifer dumpere i think it's pronounced um and her husband is eric davis who does a fantastic podcast called expanding minds um and i've, I've heard davis before i think i first heard him on weird studies which seems to be the a key text for us weird studies was like our sort of initiation almost it's definitely a gateway because it doesn't go too hard into the occult very often does it it keeps it around the art and culture side of things so it, it can be you can you can take it on the deep level where you look into all this stuff and you really research into who eric davis is and all this other stuff or you can keep you can take it at this sort of more sort of surface thing which is you can appreciate the art and the culture and so on that they're talking about and i think it's a really good balance that those guys have yeah i mean they're phenomenal the the i i feel with weird studies it's like having two kind of older brothers uh kind of older uncles or something like who are have a, a big room full of cool films and books and we're kind of wandering around, looking at which ones to read and picking and choosing and then going, wow. But yeah, yeah uh, Davis, like I, I heard him on that and I was impressed with him. I've listened to a few episodes of his podcast and one of them was uh, was with his wife, who's Jennifer Dumper, who's written this book called Liminal Dreaming. 
and it's about something that's always uh, interested me, certainly in the past few years, um, the idea of um, hypnagogic states and the idea of that that sort of place in between uh, sleep and wakefulness where your mind, you're, you're kind of awake and conscious, but your mind starts doing and seeing weird things. Um, so uh, she's written a book about, um, it's, it seems from glancing through it, like quite a practical book about how to make use of this kind of zone uh, to uh, as a means of, of you know, kind of trying out different things and these different states that your mind gets in, sort of trying to analyze them and trying to work with them and things like that. It's almost like lucid dreaming, but you're conscious and it's not as hard as lucid dreaming. It's it's kind of, um, it, it, it's just a sort of, it's something that you can get into quite easily through napping. So it's just an excuse for me to have more naps really. Um, but it's 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 a fascinating place because it's it's, you you are conscious and you do remember things, but you just get weird words popping in. I know like I've been writing them down along with my dreams and I've been getting, um, like I had one in particular, it was a very um, sort of particular image of um, a particular phrase. And it was something like M25, M25, 42, 43. And I just had that in my head and it just popped in. I was like, okay, I wrote that down. I have no idea what it means. But uh, if you think of uh, this sort of, these hypnagogic states as being like a something to draw from, like your dreams, and you write them down, then my hope is that that ties in with what I read about in time loops, in Eric Wago's time loops, and something will click and something will become apparent and I will have a moment where I'll be like, wow, I sent myself a message from the future or someone sent me a message yeah. from the future. So that's that's my reading. I'm sorry that took a while to describe, but... Yeah, no, no, that's good. Uh, I, I've, I've uh, also been reading. Um, so I read all about the I Ching, the I Ching. So I've read all the intros and stuff that comes into the third edition of the. Um, I always forget the names. I've got it here. I've got um, it. Yeah, it's the uh, Wilhelm Baines translation, and. Um, that was all really interesting. It was kind of like a history lesson, really, and to where yeah. it all came from. And there's also an intro by Carl Jung in there, who I'm sure we'll get around to talking about um, at some point as well. Um, so I found all that really interesting because I, I love the I Ching. Um, then there was the Understanding Chaos Magic thing, the pamphlet. Yeah, it's a little 100-page book that we talked about earlier. Um, I've been reading The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel. Um, again, Keel. So that's a, it's, it's a good book that as well. It's not just that it's weird stuff. If, if you kind of imagine that he isn't trying to tell the truth and imagine it's a novel, it kind of works as well. It's, it's yeah, quite yeah. interesting. It's, it's ententaining, isn't it? It is um, an entertaining book, that one. Um, Dimensions by Jacques Villet. Um, yeah, I can't say that I'd recommend this one particularly. I, I, um, I, I wish I'd started by reading the Passport to Magonia from what I've heard from you. The Dimensions is like a case book, and I got it as an audio book, so I had something to listen to in the car. And it's good, but it is just this happened, this happened, this happened, case after case after case. And they are all fascinating, but when you're listening to them, and it's just repeated visions of, say, the Virgin Mary, where they happened, when they happened, and who saw them, then the next yeah. one, then the next one. It it it, it kind of loses its sheen a little bit. I think it, it would definitely be a, a, a useful book, but it's not The Mothman Prophecies. Yeah, you get a bit um, numb to it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the moment, I'm reading Condensed Chaos by Phil Hine, 
And I do think I'm probably I'm more than halfway through. It's not a long book either, maybe just a couple hundred pages. Uh, I'm more than halfway through, and I, I I do think I haven't got to the end yet, so I'm not sure. But I do think it, it is um, going to be an important text for me. There's a, a lot in there. Uh, it goes more deeply into sigils. Um, it talks a little bit about spirit stuff. Uh, it talks about servitors. Goes a lot into how symbols work in the unconscious mind and that kind of stuff, and it's really well written. It's funny. Uh, it's an entertaining book. Um, there's a lot in there. It's fairly dense, but um, it's interesting enough to keep you reading. Uh, so I've really been enjoying that one. Um, I've got two books on my shelf that were recommended by Doug Batchelor on his podcast that we've mentioned called "What Magic Is This." He does a really good episode, which I'll link to, about starting magic. And he says, basically, there's two books that you should read if you're starting. And one is actually by Eric Wargo. Again, it's uh, Precognitive Dreamwork and The Long Self. Um, and that is um, one book which I think sets exercises and that kind of thing. It expands on the ideas and time loops. I've got a copy of it. I've not read it yet. Um, and the other one that he recommends is Six Ways, Approaches and Entries for Practical Magic by Aidan Wachter. And again, I've not read it, but I've got it. And I thought I'd mention it because I will link to the episode of What Magic Is This? where Bachelor talks in more depth about those two books. listening to podcasts um, podcasts um well we've mentioned weird studies i listened to i've listened to most of them already so um but I, I, there's the odd one that i re-listened to just because it's cool um i've uh, been listening to um i mentioned the um expanding mind um by um eric davis eric davis yeah that one's really good um i've been kind of picking choosing topics on that um listened to a really good one about fungus yesterday which uh which was excellent um consensus and reality that one's really great um there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff there to do with um kind of conspiracy theories and to do with like technology and things like that and th- they've got a great great range of uh of topics going on there it's also quite funny i think of all of all the podcasts that i've listened to that are in this sort of zone that's probably the funniest one they've both got a, a good a good banter going on so to speak yeah they uh, get good guests as well don't they yeah for the most part yeah they, they, they uh, get some less good guests as well but i mean they do have some of the cool guys on like wago was on wago um, was on yeah of course he was um, yeah and, and then um, every episode joshua that, kitchen if i ever write a book which i probably won't because you know that's not my particular area of expertise if i ever write a book i'm definitely going to go on loads of podcasts because the amount of books i've bought from listening to people talk on podcasts is amazing yeah so if you have a book that we like that you uh want to sell then please come on our podcast and we'll help you hook it especially if you're called dr alan greenfield or eric wago (laughs) 
Are there any others that you've you've uh, been listening to? Um, not off the top of my head. Let me just double check. Um, well, I, I can talk a bit about the ones I've been listening to. So I've been listening to some of the same ones as you. I've not listened to Eric Davis's podcast yet, uh, but I did um, have a look at it and, and think, oh, this looks interesting. So I'm going to get onto that as soon as I can. Weird Studies is a given. What Magic Is This by Douglas Batchelor. I just do want to mention this. I know I keep on mentioning it, but this is my favorite podcast at the moment because... It's really, really informative. So he gets good guests, but um, sometimes, um, but mainly it's just him talking to someone that he gets on, not even so much a guest, just someone who comes onto his podcast who doesn't know much about uh, the topic that he's going to talk about. And he talks and they ask questions. And it took me a while to get into that format because it's quite unusual, but actually it does work really well. It's like a tutoring session. And there's some fantastic topics on there from you know, Chaos Magic to Austin Osman Spare to uh, all the, all this different stuff, journeying, astral projection, spirits, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, Alistair Crowley, all this stuff there's loads there i'll i'll link to all this stuff yeah he's, i've listened to a few and he is um he's a very good teacher isn't he yeah he's super knowledgeable and he again his show notes are second to none he recommends so much stuff particularly books um and that's definitely cost me some money uh but yeah i, I, I can't recommend that one enough um penny royal obviously goes without saying with nathan paul oh, isaac yeah. Um, Alter Culture with Jason Louvre. Uh, we've listened to a bit of The Farm by Stephen Snyder. Uh, there was a really good one with Paul Weston and Alan Greenfield on, wasn't there? It was superb. Yeah. Where Did the Road Go? With oh, Soraya yeah. Ascath. Um, that's, yeah, that, that's a good decent one. Euphemet. Euphemet's quite got a lot some of that. great stuff on it, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jim Parry. So uh, there's loads out there. I mean, you can start with that stuff. You can recommend stuff to us. Um, that just looking at some of this stuff will bring up recommendations in whatever podcast aggregator you, you're using and will give you recommendations that connect to this. Use your discretion. Tell us if you find anything good. What about music? Music. Um, I sent you that recommendation of um, Pefkin which is... Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, she's called Gail Brogan. She's based in uh, Glasgow and it's kind of drone folk. It's like she uses kind of synthesizers and various other instruments and makes these like big sort of all-encompassing drones and then sings on top of them. And it's... Um, I've been listening to that a lot uh, this Yeah, The Land is a Sea and Waiting was the one that you recommended yeah, to me. Yeah. That was really good. You can find that on Spotify and Bandcamp. That got me listening to Coil as well, which is weird and disturbing at points. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, an album by one of my friends, actually, who's uh, goes by the name Field Lines Cartographer. Um, if you if you Google that name, you'll be able to find his music. Um, he's just released an album recently um, called I've forgotten the name of it. Sorry, Mark. It's something like Dream Tides or something. Hang on, let me just. It's got to be Dream Tides. Surely it's Dream Tides. Let me look it up. It is Dream Tides, and it's a lovely big double album that he's made kind of um it's kind of very atmospheric slow moving kind of good to play on headphones um and it's a an album that he made which um was inspired by a dream he had and it was a series of images that came to him in this dream 
um, which is all like really evocative. And he, he made this incredible album last year. I think it was last year. Um, he sent it me last year. I've had it for a lot longer than everyone else has because I'm special. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I've been listening to that a lot recently because I've not listened to it since it first uh, since since he first sent it me. Um, and now that it's been properly released and everyone's raving about it, quite rightly so. Um, and you can find his music at fieldlineskartographer.bandcamp.com. Again, we can link that in the show notes. Yeah, uh, I've been listening to Earth, the band Earth. Um, they do a, a lot of music that's inspired by folk tales and the occult and that kind of thing. It's kind of drony, kind of slow, but with country influences and rock and metal influences. It's really good. Um, uh, we haven't really fully ventured in, into the depths of throbbing gristle or anything like that yet. Do we think. Do we even want to? I don't know. We, I'm a bit the, scared of that stuff. Interesting thing is that we we both... We both went to university and did a course that was run by a guy who actually was involved with Robin Gristle. So yeah. that's some kudos for us. And obviously they, they have links to magic and chaos magic too. Um, what have we been watching? Uh, I, I, I actually I tried to make a list of stuff that I was watching that, that links to this before I started, um, before, before we recorded. And... There was three things that came to mind as not things that I'm watching now, but as essential texts. And I imagine that at some point we'll give each of these their own, if not their own episode, then they'll feature heavily in an episode that we'll do in the future. Um, so Twin Peaks, Hellia and True Detective. Those are th three things that I think are, are constant sources of inspiration to me. And, and some of those have been for years, like Twin Peaks, I mean, 20 years since we started watching that isn't it yeah yeah i mean twin peaks has been it's one of those kind of key texts in our journey uh, <laughs> in, our in our quest in our quest um which you know we, it kind of keeps we keep coming back to it it's like ghostbusters almost but like ghostbusters was when we were kids yeah Let's is there anything start. else um been watching? I've, yeah i've recently watched the outer range which was cool and has um some really cool kind of sorry there's a helicopter going over it'll be the uh black helicopter unmarked yeah it's a black helicopter i can't see it but i imagine it's black yep um yeah so the outer range has some cool kind of i don't want to spoil it by um revealing to you know telling too much about the plot but that has some stuff that's of relevance to the sort of things that we're talking about um i've recently been watching i've almost finished uh something called brand new cherry flavor which is on netflix um which is kind of adjacent to what we're talking about and to be honest it's all right it's pretty weird it's like it's not got the kind of emotional impact that i like in a tv show it's kind of just weird um but it's got a kind of magical psychedelic hollywood kind of vibe to it which i do quite enjoy um so another couple of tv shows i'd recommend which I've watched a while ago, but uh, uh, relevant. Um, Dark, which is on Netflix. Watch it with watch it in German with English subtitles. Don't watch the uh, English dub; it's terrible. Um, the Leftovers. Yeah, I was going to say another, Leftovers. Like that's uh, and 
big shout out to Mr. Will Salmon for recommending that to me. And funnily enough, Will Salmon also recommended uh, Hellier and Pennyroyal to me as well. So really, where would we be without Will Salmon? We would not be here. We would not be doing a podcast. It's fair um, to say. Yeah. So yeah, I think they're uh, they're some pretty they're some pretty big ones. Oh, and I also recently watched uh, Men at the cinema, the new Alex Garland film, which has some. Uh, cool kind of folk horror vibes to it sort of psychedelic folk horror kind of thing and it also stars jesse buckley no relation that we know of and um other things that we've been doing to just sort of generally immerse ourselves in in this stuff i suppose um we've been going to we've been going on walks to historically haunted or spiritually significant sites um We've we've been over. Obviously, we've been to Pendle Hill. We've talked about that at length. We also went to the Fairy Caves, or or as close as we could get, because they're now on private land. We but, didn't want to um, trespass. Imagine we if trespass. we'd have got arrested. Yeah, just so what would the could... fairies say? But um, we've been to yeah. So we went to the site of the Fairy Caves, um, which is in Whitewell in Lancashire. Um, but Lancashire is just full of. Um, I mean, all of the north of England, and I think most of England is just full of fairy spots, boggart places and um yeah we've been trying to investigate to get ourselves a fairy sighting you know to meet some of these little folk these cunning folk these gentry for ourselves <laughs> um so there's loads of places like that that historically there's been fairy activity or um i mean lots of places just have names that are fairy adjacent or bogger adjacent so we've just started looking into that sort of stuff as part of this kind of we re-weirding that, yeah. that buckley was talking about earlier we've, we're discussing like phenomena are magic a lot, aren't we? And theories about the phenomena and UFOs and fairies and stuff. I mean, we talk nearly every day, um, either by, uh, either we meet up or, or, or we, uh, more likely send messages through WhatsApp or email, um, talking about this stuff very, very often. It keeps it in the forefront of our minds. Oh, very much. Yeah. I mean, everything I do is like informed by it now. I'm constantly yeah. thinking like, oh, I could tell Hein about this weird little statue i saw in a and, shop and we're talking to other people about it as well that we might meet who seem that they might be interested yeah there's a couple of people that i've uh, found in my various travels uh who have some interesting you know interesting kind of takes on things and who could be potential guests and sources also, of information we've been going to lectures um like uh, the last Tuesday Society, which is um, linked to the Victor Wind um, Museum, and uh, they they do uh, regular lectures on all this kind of stuff, which are actually really informative, and they're not very expensive. You can get a ticket for about five or sometimes a tenner online, and you get a good two hour talk usually for that kind of money. Um, and uh, yeah, I found I found those really informative. Uh, Buckley and I went to one about the boggarts, which are the uh, solitary spirits from the north of England, and also uh, we went. To, uh, I, I went to one about Austin Osmond Spare and the art of Austin Osmond Spare. They were both excellent, really, really good, really informative, really inspiring stuff. Um, also, I've been aggravating, uh, aggravating. I've been, I'm extremely aggravating, but I've been aggravate, ag aggravating. That's, that's what I keep saying. I've been really aggravating, but this is aggravating me now. But I've been aggregating um, weird news reports 
Um, and so just using like Feedly um, and looking through those a lot, trying to see what's happening, UFO sightings, sightings of weird monsters, that sort of thing. I follow various blogs. Uh, I'll just name a few. Uh, the, the Anomalists, uh, the, um, the, the Wild Hunt, um, the online aspects of the 14 Times. And you, you subscribe to the magazine, the paper magazine as well. I did. I've got, I've got my first copy. It's down here on the ground next to me. Um, I've had a scan through it. I've not properly read it yet, but it's um, that's one for the weekend. Saturday morning, put some records on, read the 14 times. The 14 times, I mean, that's been going since before either of us were born, isn't it? Uh, I, I used to yeah. subscribe when I was about 16 uh, for a few years. Um when I um yeah when I think I was that was during the time of the X Files back then yeah was, yeah many, good times many Great years times. ago yeah when when um you could uh, you could just pick up an issue of the fourteen times at any old news agent what do we want to do next though so what what's what have we got coming up well I think um continuing with what we're already doing what we've just described but I'd I'd like to try some of the um randomly generated stuff sort of things like uh randonautica so i think that's one for kind of a rainy day if we're stuck in preston or something like that where we can uh we don't necessarily need to be in a significant or beautiful place we can just use randonautica to kind of randomly generate some locations uh yeah. with intentions attached see what happens there um it would be good to try some other kind of um kind of almost things which are related to um sensory deprivation or uh kind of Gansfeld effects type things because that's all stuff that we can do quite easily just in terms of you know covering your eyes and ears and and seeing what happens i think just some experiments on ourselves that aren't necessarily psychologically dangerous so what kind of future plans do you think we can say that we have for this podcast because um as you can see you know dear listener we're basically afloat in a sea of ideas and neither of us really know how to swim yet. So, I mean, I, I think obviously we're going to keep on experimenting as we just discussed. Um, we're taking our first steps and you know, we, as we've said, we'll take your recommendations. We want you to follow us. If you're new to magic, we want you to, or, and, and the occult and, and, and you have any of this stuff, you know, then we want you to kind of join us with us. Exactly. And if, if you're experienced, then we want to be able to, you'd be able to look back to your, days of starting out and, uh, and give us yeah watch our mistakes give us guidance so we don't make the same mistakes that you do or you did um and yeah we want we want we want to we want you to see our mistakes and our successes and our knowledge will grow in strange ways which will hopefully be interesting and uh, we have an idea that we'll be able to do some interviews with people um we we, we have a, a wish list um and um you know, the, there's there's so many people that we'd love to talk to, pick their brains, learn from, uh, get a hold of their ideas, um, and so hopefully we'll we'll be able to get a few of those going. It'd be great to do some interview episodes. Um, it'd be cool as well to do. We've talked about a bit some field recordings. You know, we usually take a recorder with us in case anything interesting happens. But we've we've knocked about the idea of doing a proper road trip, uh, going to some particularly significant place. And um, and you know, maybe doing some experiments there, um, that would be maybe a cool thing. And also, we've talked about maybe doing special themed episodes. So you know, maybe we've talked about Twin Peaks, Hellia, Penny Royal. I thought maybe UFOs and the phenomena that Valet and, and Keel talk about. We've got to do a Twin Peaks episode. 
All, yeah. All the great podcasts do a Twin Peaks episode. Yeah. And so shall we. And so, like to, to sort of bring it all together and wind it up, how does this feel, Buckley? How, how do you feel? I feel starting this stuff. I feel like we've summed some things up quite well. I think we've gone off on tangents like we always do and we always will. No amount of editing is going to change that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's us. And that's, if you're, if you're down with this, I imagine that the podcast will get a bit more professional as we go on. Um, we'll get a bit One more experienced in it. But, you know, for the time being, this is us. We're, we're new to this. We're amateurs. Um, we want you to join us on our journey in our sort of reassessment, reevaluation of reality. Um, um, and what, what do you expect that we'll get out of this? Or what, what, what do you want to get out of this? Not just the podcast, but just the whole investigation and the whole you know, change in, in thinking. I'd like to have some experiences that are out of the ordinary. Um, I'd like to have a better understanding and a, a, almost to be able to build a bit more of a, a personal cosmology. Um, yeah. And um, I'd like to have a document of that which is what this podcast would be. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to be able to become almost a more rounded person, you know, like a, a better person in a way to, to take it super cheesy in my journeying here, um, you know, to have my mind Quest. open to new ideas and, and to find some sort of peace with myself in this. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I was raised Catholic, so I was filled with like strange mystical ideas uh, from that apocalyptic death cult um as 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 a sort of young kid and being able to unpick that now and like you say create your own cosmology um you know i'd like to be able to reconnect with the world in a way you know with imagination with the real world with reality with 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 change my idea of reality you know the ancient and the natural world and and the universe itself i guess you know just just small things like that you know <laughs> um and so i'm going to I mean, we, we both lived pre-rational lives and I'm going to just, um, you know, I think, you know, I mean, I, I think we, we've, we've, like we say, we've never quested like this into this sort of stuff. And I, I think we, we've, we've um, pretty much been men of science in, in many ways. Yeah. So I, I want to ambush you with a question now. Go on. Um, and I, what, what percentage split would you say at the moment? What percentage split? You know, so you could say 80, 20, 60, 40, 75, 25, uh, whatever. Um, what percentage split of all this today, right now, at this moment, do you think is in people's imaginations? Uh, how much of this do you think is manifest reality? So imagination is the first percentage. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and, and reality I, 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 is the second. Yeah. Okay, let me have a think about it. Um, it's a tricky one because obviously there's a vast amount of data and... I mean, I can go first if you want. I mean, at the moment, I'm thinking 70%, 30% is my is my current. And that's not disrespecting anything about this because I think that a lot of it has to start in the imagination, as we've said, and a lot of it has to be based on your ways of thinking. 70% but, imagination, you're saying? Yes, yeah, 70% imagination, 30% real physical stuff. It's a difficult question. It's a silly question. Yeah. You know, I'm not really talking about objectivity, but it's an interesting exercise, which I think I'm going to repeat a few times as, as we go through this. It won't this be surprising because, again, though, will it? Well, no, it won't be surprising, but next time you'll have thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll I mean, have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for not knowing. I mean, for all my talk of precognition, I didn't work that one out, did I? No. Um, I mean, I think, 
you've got to kind of be both Mulder and Scully about this, don't you? You know, yeah. you have to keep your mind open, but not so wide that just anything can crawl up and take residence in it. I think that's really important. You've got to be John Locke and Jack Shepard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to be Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Because cause if, you, if you're not both of these things, then you're going to do yourself a disservice. You've got to be Dale I, Cooper I it, and Sheriff Harry Truman. Yeah. I often think about this stuff like um, you've got your scientist and your shaman. Um, and I think you've got to be both, you know. A scientist. Um, yeah. <laughs> a scientist of sorts. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to be open to weird stuff and try weird stuff and all this stuff. And then you've got to take a step back and have a look at it, analyze it and see what you think really happened. Um, and, and like we said, you know, I, I'm not sure answers are going to be there. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there are any answers, but I want to end, if I may, on one last quote. Okay. It's not Crowley. It's not um, Kanye. Uh, Spare or a, a lifeless Levy or any, any magician at all, actually. It's actually from a scientist, but a scientist who had the right idea. And it's Richard Feynman. Um, and he said, I'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. Amen to that. And I think that's it. Yeah, thank you for listening. Cool, I don't have anything else written down now. So.